Do you love audiobooks? You can get a free 30-day trial membership to audible.com by visiting audibletrial.com slash divebarrockstar. They have thousands of audiobook titles as well as podcasts, guided wellness programs, theatrical performances, A-list comedy, and exclusive Audible originals you won't find anywhere else. Get your free trial membership at audibletrial.com slash divebarrockstar. Welcome to the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast, a show exploring the lives of professional musicians of all types, touring musicians, recording artists, songwriters, engineers, bar bands, wedding bands, and anyone making their living in the music industry. Whether you've dreamed of being a professional or you already are one, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Eric Baines, and I hope that you not only find some entertainment here, but also some helpful tips, trade secrets, and ideas that will help you achieve your dreams. So there's a new website and a really cool place to get music news, and it's called rockcellarmagazine.com. And it's based in L.A., and it's a lot of rock and roll and pop music news, which is pretty cool if you're into that stuff. But they also just started an independent artist program where you can go and buy CDs if you're still listening to CDs, which a lot of people do. And you can still get them here at this website, as well as digital copies of um, independent artists. And one of those records on that list that you can buy is my record, Dive Bar Rockstar. So if you wanted to get a copy of that CD, that's a great place to go. It's rocksellermagazine.com. And the person that's heading up this new independent artist program happens to be my guest today because he's also a great bass player and a really great dude. He's originally from Canada. Then he spent three years in Nashville where he recorded with Vince Gill, Brent Mason, Steve Warren, Ricky Skaggs, and others. Then he came to Los Angeles where he currently resides, and along with playing all kinds of gigs, he became band leader for a show called The Mad Tea Party at Disney's California Adventure, which I was also a part of, um, which also led to him making a record called Love and War. He raised a lot of money through a Kickstarter and put together a team of singers, players, and engineers to make a really cool record. He recently revisited this album by doing some live-ish videos, and he used some players from the record and singers from the record and also some other guys and some newer players. And the series of YouTube videos is called Safer at Home Performances. So you can check that out. And by the way, the Independent Artist Program just launched this week, so we didn't talk about it in the interview but you should check it out anyway at rockcellarmagazine.com. Um, so please enjoy my conversation with Mike Hill. Well, the last time I saw you was at the Fox and Hounds playing. Right. Now, and and yeah. we, this is called the Dive Bar Rockstar show. So that just, you know, How it appropriate. proves that you are a Dive Bar Rockstar. And a dive bar rock star came to a dive bar exactly. to watch a dive bar rock star. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. actually a song off my record called Dive Bar Rock Star from 2009. And in 2009, I was playing at the Fox and Hounds at least every Thursday, you were saying that. every Friday, you know? So that was, that was a part of that experience. Pretty hardcore. You're the ghost of uh, Christmas present kind of in the <laughs> yeah. moment or from, you know, right, you know, right. past. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, uh, do, you, do you enjoy doing the bars and stuff like that? Not really. 
Well, not everybody does. That's for sure. Now, um, I've, as a lot of us have put a lot of time into those those bars. I mean, you take a gig and it's a, usually a weekday or, you know, it's, it's a yeah. time that you're not doing anything and you kind of leave your, your weekends open for the bigger gigs. And I mean, you make a couple hundred bucks, 150, yeah. 100, yeah. you know. It has gotten slightly better. Mm over the years and it, it is fun like you know if you're playing with the if it's all about playing with the right people right you know if it's people that you're like eh, um then it's gonna be a hard 100 to earn <laughs> yeah. and a long 100 right. to earn mm. um you being with the right people that i mean you could have a blast and just say that was a rehearsal or that was just a fun jam and right. you're ha you know you're having fun yeah and i mean that's the best way to look at it there was uh it, it was it's kind of a bar restaurant that i i spent a lot of time in palm springs actually palm desert oh, it's really? called rocks fire fire grill firehouse grill rocks firehouse yeah, grill. yeah yeah and i played there you did okay cool yeah. so they uh opened up and they wanted live music so i was playing in a band at the time in palm springs and they we were their number one choice let's just do it you know we're gonna go in there and do every friday or every saturday i can't remember it was friday and saturday it was one of those mm -hmm. and we just did every weekend and of course every time we're there someone's buying us shots you know we'd have a uh, a segment for a bass solo a drum solo and it was just a fun time people came there to party and it became this huge thing like come over it's a badass band we just did, they, they allowed us to do whatever we wanted to do, you know, That's whatever, cool. whatever music, whatever songs we wanted to do, we could change it up and people loved it. And we, we did things like got up on the bar, played up on the bar, you know, we had wireless <laughs> right. packs, we'd go play up on there. Mm -hmm. We could walk up to strangers sitting down, eating and sit on their lap and play. We can tell everyone to come up and we'd dance with them on the dance floor, just really fun things, you right, know? Right. And that was a blast. I mean, we would look forward to playing at those places i mean or yeah this place this yeah. place in particular mm -hmm. and um man it was good because it was the same yeah. same good crew you know yeah yeah but we really met on uh the show at disneyland right california adventure yes. i guess technically called mm -hmm. the mad tea party right and uh that was quite an adventure and i think something that's it's interesting to me because it's, it's, it provides a lot of musicians with a lot of work and it's such a, but it's at the same time, it's such a corporate job, you know? And, yeah. uh, I, I kind of, I got, I liked it. One side of me, I'd like always to know wanted you're... to be a corporate person right. and like having the idea of a day job and like, it was pretty cool, but you got to get used to like, okay, there's Rules. a, there's a list of, of mm -hmm. songs you've got to rehearse today. And, and whoever's leading the rehearsal is going to be marking those off. And it doesn't even matter whether they're well-played necessarily, depending on the thing. We just got to mark it off and then we can go home. You know, right. anyway, there's like a, that sort of thing. And I will say that when you came in, it was a million times better than what it was. Oh, wow. It was, <laughs> wow. it was, it, it was wild from the beginning. It was the wow. most, unproductive productive <laughs> rehearsals you've ever experienced ever, you know well also you're going eight hours a day for right. like two weeks or something so it's a corporate job in that sense too like you're there all day you've got assigned breaks you know it's mm -hmm. a union job yeah um i mean okay but you have two three people 
per position that are all trying to rehearse at the same time. Yes. Which is odd. So at first, because it was four drummers, four bass players, four, they had everyone in on the same day in the beginning. Gotcha. So, and plus all the singers. So you'd run through, they don't, here's the thing is because it was corporate, they didn't want you to rehearse songs at home, only rehearse songs uh. there. However, you get pretty much one pass. So I go up and play for instance, and we go through three songs. Well, now you have to have a 15 minute break for everyone. So there's three other bands waiting. Right. And that fourth band that doesn't get a chance until maybe the afternoon is just sitting there and then wow. have to take a break, sit there, take lunch, sit there, take a 15 minute break. And then you play your three songs, then you go home. <laughs> Man. One time each. Yeah. Was, but you are getting paid. But you are getting paid the, for your time. It, yes. whole, the whole time you're there. And yes. it's not it's not nothing. Like, you no. know, it's a it was it was a decent paying union thing, you know. Yeah. Uh but wow. Yeah, but you would think that there'd be a better way to do it than that. They kinda of, yeah, we they kind of figure it out and it got a little bit better, a little bit more, you know, streamlined and you know, all that stuff. Yeah. But I mean, I'd like to know your take on the whole thing because I think my experience was a little bit different from yours because you came in. Yeah, uh, I came in on a very, uh, it was like a restart of yes. the show. They had canceled the show and then brought it back. And then I came in then. So really it was just me. And did you know anything about the show? Yes. I had seen the show a, a few times. Got it. Okay. Now, could you imagine like when I came in, we had no idea what the show was going to look like. We had no idea how, how the, if there, what the stage was going to look like. We didn't even know the wow. gear. We were just rehearsing for this unknown event. Right. But it was gonna. It was supposed to be cool. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us personally didn't think it was gonna be cool. Right. And we're just, you know, this is just a gig. You know, we're all here in this. You know, we're all taking this gig because you know it's money. You know, it's Disney. It could be. So you can get something out of it later, maybe. You can connect with more people, another network of musicians, which it was. Right. And that was the biggest, I think, one of the biggest, greatest things about it was to be friends with everyone. And out of that is this whole other musician ecosystem. Because, you know, as, as you know, in LA, there's so many pockets of musicians. Yeah. And it's hard to get in that pocket. Mm -hmm. When you're in, you're good. Right. But right. it's like, as a stranger, who are you? You know, nobody... Yeah. Everyone's trying to get in. You have to have someone within to mm -hmm. get to pull you in. Almost <laughs> like an exclusive like nightclub. Like you have to know someone in the so then right. the bouncer will let you in, and then you're in and you're cool, and everyone's cool. Right. So, but yeah. that was that was like this. You know, you had that opportunity to be this this new forming network, and yeah. we all started unknown like we didn't even know what we could get away with. There was no rules. They wanted to to do something but not knew how to explain it and because they didn't know yet so they're right. they're kind of developing the show like just as we're going along wow and then it just turned into this once the show started it was it was a little timid at first with the people on the stage it's like you know how do we how do we perform how do we kind of get into it are we playing to people just walking by or are we pe playing to people that are stopping and, and right. watching? But it ended up being a stopping thing where people yeah. were walking in and stopping and it, it, a crowd would start to build up over yeah. time. And you're like, okay, this is a concert now. It's not right. just... It's an event. It's not a tiger in a cage. Right. You know, it's not a zoo. It's, yeah. it's an and attraction. If, it's a and concert. And if you've never seen the show, you're, everyone's in like 
crazy costumes. Yeah. Makeup. I mean, we were the March hares and yeah. we, we were in rabbit ears and spandex and Doc Martens and like wigs and in-ears and, and making all this yeah. work together and jumping around like crazy. Right. You know, it's a, it's an insane show. So I can't imagine it. it I bet. It, well, it's interesting that you kind of watch that evolve because by the time I got there, it was full on like, oh, I knew what I was getting into. Right. And that you kind of knew what you get into. And then when you get into it, you're like, wow, like you have to catch up in a way. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Big time. Right. Like everyone's doing all this stuff. Yeah. Where do I fit into this? It was an improv gig, mm-hmm. but not musically. Yes. Oh, definitely. Right. That's Don't what. Win. So you played I the mean, same parts. Yeah. But you never knew what you're going to do. It was almost like a um, whose line is it anyways <laughs> on stage because yeah. someone could come up to you and you got to react to that because you're technically, you're not you, you're a character, you're this character. Right. What is that character going to do? What is your interpretation of that character going to do? Right, yeah. And which is pretty interesting that they let us do that where we mm-hmm. can um, have our own persona yeah. of that character. And that's super unusual yes. for Disney. Because right. Disney is also like joining the army. You've got to have your hair a certain length. You can't yep. have a beard. You know, all these sort of stuff like that. So we we were kind of the rebels. Absolutely. Because we could do time. whatever we wanted. Yeah. That was our excuse. Oh, certain... we're, we're on Mad Tea. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm telling you, like from the beginning, it was interesting where it was, it like I was saying, it was timid and we didn't know what we could get away with. And then we start to realize where is this line that we can't cross, right? It is Disney. It's somewhere. There is a line somewhere. A a bunch of us were like, okay, how far can we go? Right. And we start to test the waters a little bit. You get to test, you know, the hot stove, you know, when are you going to get burnt, you know, from what you do on stage and, and respecting the park, respecting that you are Disney in front of children, all that stuff. You don't do anything crazy. But But it's also a rock show. But it's a rock show. It's not... There's some pretty heavy you're, stuff. You're a rock star on stage to somebody. Mm-hmm. How are you gonna, you know, how are you gonna and show up? And it's also the that park serves alcohol. Yes. So it's a little more adult. It's mm-hmm. not like playing in front of. It's a small world. Absolutely. You know. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah. there is the line is a little farther. Yes. But it, there's still a line. It was it was crazy. And after after that, it started to evolve. Like, hey, we can do this. We can do that. Now I'm going to do this. Right. And if I do this to you, how are you going to react? So if I came up to you and did something, what are you going to do? And then how am I going to respond? A lot of you know communication on you know on stage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. I mean, yeah, it was fun. I'll leave it at that. It was it was weird, but it was it was fun, and and, what, and I became a way better performer because I'd never yes that was the first time I same sort of allowed myself to go into mm-hmm. that type of a gig, you know, it's um, it's way out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Let's let's do it, and I'm you know I'm so glad I did. We're 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 glad that you came in big time. Yeah, very <laughs> well, glad. Thanks. Yeah, well, you it killed fun. it. It was a lot of fun. And the other great thing about it is that there's this massive amount of diehard fans yeah that you have been quite successful in sort of steering them in the direction of being fans of yourself and like you know turning that into sort of another project called love and war yeah so we had all these people come and and which is great and we played to a crowd and but with disneyland there's a lot of annual pass holders 
So mm-hmm. it's a little bit different than Disney World, where it's right. a new crowd every every night. This time, it was almost the same. Maybe three three fourths of the crowd was the same crowd with new people, and so it was the same people watching the same show. But yes, it was the same show, but it was different because. The improv thing mm-hmm. came into effect, where anything can happen on stage, right? And that's why they came. What's going to happen tonight? Mm-hmm. And everyone was eager to go see what's going to happen tonight, right? You know, and and people start to be familiar with, oh, it's this guy as the March Hare tonight, or it's this guy, you know, being the Mad Hat or or the the, the drummer, and people start to make favorites. Mm-hmm. So they start to come out to their favorites because they like how they interpret that character. And so they come for that person right. or, or these people. Um, so you start to see the same people that come to see you all the time and they usually want to come near more near the front and then there's guys that just come to every single show which is great right so out of that my experience was we're just doing the show this is great oh great there's people now there's people taking photographs and they're finding us on facebook at first it was like this is great i would i wouldn't mind getting photos of right. myself For on sure. stage yeah. and these we're talking, these people have nice cameras. Yeah. They get the nice professional cameras, not iPhone. It's the big SLR cameras. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, and so now you're I'm I'm fishing around looking for good photos so I I can post some. And then I'll say, Hey, so and so did this, I'll tag them. Great. And then all of a sudden there's more and more and more. And then all of a sudden there's all these photos and all these people and they're all requesting friend requesting you on Facebook, Instagram. And at the time, Tumblr was a very big website for blogging. And then you have bloggers blogging about you. Then you have Instagram people about you and you're starting to get tagged left, right, and center all over the place. Mm -hmm. And then they want to be your friend. And then, so you go, do I accept them or don't keep them away? So a lot of us made fan pages or artist pages. Right. And the artist page was a way that fans can interact with us and not get into our personal page, which was great at first. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> we started invite. You know, you start to you start to see the most film. You know, familiar faces. You start to add them to your personal. You know, Facebook, and start growing and growing and growing. And it was crazy. Like over the years, it was a lot. We're yeah. talking a lot, right? A yeah. lot of people. Yeah. You know, like I accumulated a couple thousand more people that are constantly active with me on Facebook. And it's wild, like, you know, people writing in the inbox or people wanting to show, hey, I did this great video of you. Awesome, I want to use that, you know? And that was their end to be, I guess, to learn a little bit about me. And so a lot of these fans were wanting to know the person under the costume. Right. Who are they? (laughs) You, You know, there's this fantasy with these people of like, oh, they look so great in this costume. What are they underneath? In right. a way, right? right Not right. sexually, but yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. they, maybe no. that too. Maybe that too, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> and so they, when you start to, then a lot of us were posting, hey, I have another gig outside of Disney. It'd be great to have a bigger crowd. It'd be great to have more people out to my show. Or, mm-hmm. hey, I do original music, or so and so does original music. It'd be great to do a show and have people come rather than, Hey, I'm in Hollywood. I'm going to do my showcase and three people show up. Right. Absolutely. My mom, my dad, and my sister or brother. Right. You know, yeah. that's how it kind of works. Mm-hmm. But now you got 
a hundred people show up to your show yeah. because they liked you at Disney yeah. and they want to know more about you. Now they fall in love with your music. Yeah. They fall in love with how you, you know, or just how you perform on stage. Yeah. And so um, a bunch of us in the cast kind of, um, I wouldn't say took advantage, you took it, we took advantage of the opportunity to be able to um, make more music because we we could actually see a tangible audience that mm-hmm. wants to listen. Right. And that's what a lot of us did was we started doing original music and we had uh, a fan base of that right. for that. Right. And so for myself, what I did was um, I saw a couple other friends do Kickstarters. Mm-hmm. And what the Kickstarter was is, hey, help me raise enough money so I can do an album that I've always wanted to do or an EP that I've always wanted to do that I could have never done before. Right. You know, unless I save money and do a side job and do this and spend a lot of money. Now yeah. we're like, wait a minute, these people really want to see my original music or they want more of my original music. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give them the opportunity to make that a possibility for me and for them. Right. Why yeah. not? It's a right. win-win for everybody. For so sure. these Kickstarters were like, hey, I need to raise, you know, to be honest, you need to raise $10,000 to make so many songs things are expensive yeah and these kickstarters were actually very successful when someone asked yeah. for 10 grand they'd make fifteen thousand. yeah when someone wanted 20 they'd make twenty-five thousand or thirty thousand. and you start to see wow people are very generous and and they really want to see your or hear your music they really want to hear yeah. it and they really want to see us succeed right and also not just to see us succeed but feel like they were a part mm-hmm. of something bigger Right. You know, and Disney, it's another way to interact and be a part of it for right. sure. And, yeah. and say, hey, I helped make this. Right. So yeah. after seeing successful Kickstarters happen, I decided, you know what? Now, these were singers that were doing it, singer songwriters, but right. I'm a bass player. Yeah. And I don't know if anyone knew that yet. I'm bass player. <laughs> so, well, uh, yeah, that was my. Yeah. Well, well let's get to okay. the record. But I wanted to just like, so you, your goal, according to, What's still up there is was thirty five thousand dollars. You raised forty one thousand yes. dollars. Yes, like that's that's pretty crazy. But along with that, you've got you've got rewards set up. So mm-hmm. those are a lot of work, you know. <laughs> like yeah. So you and, and a lot of them that you were you were offering like let's go hang out at Disney all day, right? You know, and like was it as intense as it seemed like because i remember you actually playing some nights and you're you were out in the crowd with with some people that had 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 you know donated a thousand bucks or whatever and let's yes. go hang out you know um how was that the rewards were kind of split up in in two different ways there's tangible you know physical gifts you can have right so some people want an autograph cd some people want a shirt some people want a signed bass by right. the people off the album, right? So we had those type of rewards. Those were pretty easy to do. You, you know, you just had to buy those things. Shipping was probably the biggest expense out of it all. But then the other side of it is quality time, right? So you right. have, for people that are away or people that just, you know, want a physical thing, we have that. So there's kick, there Kickstarter rewards for that. There's also Kickstarter rewards of people who are willing to donate a good amount of money just for that one-on-one interaction, that right. one-on-one experience together, that one-on-one um, something that 
you know, you'll remember it's memories. Right. Right. right so you're just, right. you know, you're going for memories. You're going for a good time. And imagine like, I mean, a lot of us, like you could go to LA or any town and maybe there is a local hero of yours and now you get the opportunity and, and maybe that person is very hard to get reached, you know, very hard to get a hold of. Mm-hmm. And now you have this opportunity to just show who you are and find out more about them. And it was awesome for these fans and also for myself to learn about each other and go like, oh yeah, like I've seen you at the show a million times. You donated this amount of money. Now we're together. What are you all about? Right. You know, like, right. you know, what's your life story? Mm-hmm. And here's mm-hmm. my life story. And you get to share that with people. Right. And I think it was a really special thing to be able to do that. Um, on the other hand, yes, there were, it could have been long days too. If like, like for instance, you said a day at Disney, Right. the whole uh, reasoning behind that was a lot of these people that donated are annual pass holders. So right. they already, they're in free anyways. I got you. I'm a cast member. I get in for free. So it's, there's no big cost. Mm-hmm. So we can both go in, do some ride, you know, whatever they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, some, um, s- sometimes these, these days were, we didn't even go on a ride. We just hung out at Disney, right. you know? Right. Another time was they wanted to get on so many rides. <laughs> Let's get as many rides as we can. And the ones with the pictures, right? The ones like Space Mountain picture, the roller coaster picture, so they can have those pictures and say, look what we did. This was so much fun, you right. know? And there's also, um, there's Disney days of, of groups. So I was mm-hmm. me and a group of people that we all hung out wow. and got to, you know, just hang out. Right. So right. Um, as for... I mean, to answer your question, like how like intense it was sometimes, you know, after a long summer day, it was, yeah, you're, you're burnt out because you're talking nonstop, you're moving around, you know, it becomes a very physical thing, you know, that you don't, you didn't experience or didn't, uh, you didn't anticipate to be, um, or I guess also like it was all of this, did you do all the stuff after the record was done or Mm. is this all part of the process you're, you're trying to make a record you're trying to write songs you're trying to oh yeah you know, get musicians in at different times and in the meantime you've got to go take a day at disney yeah you know like it's yeah just, and then you got i, I get like... to i had to visit like yamaha get a bass i had to go you know order see yeah it was so the album took two years to do gotcha it took a long time wow but the reasoning behind it is i just i didn't want it to be hey we got four days in the studio we got to knock it out then we got to mix it time is money you know, right. I, I put myself in a position where we can take our time to really capture, you know, great sounds, put time into it. And yes, we did have some studio hours that were, you know, we were kind of under the gun, which mm-hmm. is fine. Um, but other than that, a lot of it was, um, you know, just juggling like, hey, we do some guitars this day. Great. Or songwriting the next day. You know, and it was it, it's. To be honest, the Kickstarter is no joke. It's probably like the most work. It's a. It's honestly more than a part time job. Right. It's it's like on the border of a full time job. Yeah. Right. That's, I wouldn't say it's full time, but just right under that, you're putting that many hours. I. I mean. I think that's what I'm getting to. Is yeah. like people that are thinking about doing the Kickstarter thing, like it's a thing. Like it's it's a time, especially if you're going to be making that kind of money. People want 
extra for that, you know? Right. Because there, there is putting the research into knowing, hey, who, who can sell me the uh, print the cheapest CDs? There's right. also who can make stickers? Who's are you going to have merch? All these Kickstarter rewards, you know, yeah. like um, yeah, t-shirts, you know, t-shirts, like offering. who's going to you know make me the cheapest T-shirt? <laughs> but it's not going to be a crappy T-shirt. So uh, for me, for me, I did uh, lyric book, right. I did photo book, yeah. I did pics. I did bracelets, I did mm. t-shirts, I did um, autograph little thank you cards, I did uh, buttons, um, every patches, right. every single thing you could imagine. I yeah, yeah, l- yeah. little USB drives that look like bullets because it was a World War II theme. That's cool. You know, um, meeting with an artist, start to create concepts because that mm. takes some time. Yeah. Then you got to make art. And your artwork is no joke. It's yeah. It's pretty cool. It's not simple. <laughs> yeah, the the girl that did the artwork was uh, Brianna Garcia, and she, I mean, she was awesome. Like, she would actually do sketches of us at Mad Tea Party, um, of us, wow. and I was like, she's so good, and she's actually a right. professional um, mm-hmm. artist. So I went up to her, and I'm like, hey, you know, it'd be awesome. Like, I have this concept. We start to, you know, go back and forth on ideas. I'm like, I want it to be military. I kind of want like something to, it's love and war is the, is, so it's the concept. So we have to put something love and, and war together and make it all work out. And so I started going, let's do a World War II theme. And so let's put a bomb in there and let's make it a, a crest or, you know, kind of a, like a military patch, but then half a heart in there as well. But it's mm-hmm. bleeding and yeah, all yeah, this yeah. stuff. Like, I was like throwing all these ideas and she's like, okay, how do I put this all together? Right, like right. you want all this stuff in one icon kind of a thing but she did it she pulled it off and it's badass yeah you know it's super cool so uh it was, it was i just spent time i my whole thing was quality because i was looking at is like what if i don't get to do this ever again yeah this is my one opportunity i raised all this money i have the money i can do it i'm not gonna i i'm i'm gonna spend my time and do it right like do it the right way and i you know the the lyric book was going to be something simple as just lyrics on a page and we're going to like photocopy then i was like no it's going to be like a legit book it's going to be a professional book that you can actually find in a store yeah. it's the same quality wow. you know um, cool. i did pay a little bit more money out of my pocket to make sure that these things were at that level right. even though the kickstarter money gave me opportunity to make those things yeah. i put a little bit more money to step it up one level that's yeah. awesome. Well, it paid yep. off like crazy. Yeah. Because the record is is great. Thanks. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty it's pretty incredible. And like so how does a person who you so you don't sing? No. And, and you, you don't write songs really. No. Um you're not necessarily a producer. No. But you made a great record. <laughs> yeah. How's that happen? So <laughs> I mean, the biggest thing I mean, okay, so it all came down to this where a friend of mine, Jenny Kidd, did an uh, EP. She did a Kickstarter. It did great. Another and Alice another, in and the show. Was, yeah, she was a, a singer in the, in the show. And mm-hmm. I remember, like, she put it out there. It got funded. She could not believe it got funded. She's like, oh, my God, I can do it. She did an album. And we were sitting. I remember I went to one of her little rewards. It was a beach day reward. Right. If you donated, you get to go to the beach with her and hang out a beach day, which is great. It was fun. Yeah. I went to her beach day. And we hung out. And while we're packing up, she's like, hey, why don't we just, you know, go over to our friend's house? She has a pool, hot tub. Let's just hang out. We'll do like a little after party over there. Great. So we're hanging in the hot tub. And she's like, you know, after a couple of drinks, like, 
Mike, you should do a Kickstarter. <laughs> and I'm thinking, uh, I'm not a singer. Like, how would I do that? How would I pull it off? She's like, no, you can do it. Like, just trust me. Just just do a Kickstarter. It'll get funded and do whatever you want. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, hold on. Let me be, like, realistic here. You know, I don't... It's, I don't... The way I look at it, I'm such a perfectionist mm. that, yes, I can write song. I can write a song. But... I don't think I'm a great songwriter. Maybe some people do, but I'd rather use someone that I think is a fantastic songwriter. I would use them. Right. So I started thinking, okay, what if I did the whole like Santana thing or Herbie Hancock thing where they're instrumentalists, they don't sing. Yes, they songwrite a little bit, but how did they do their albums? Well, Santana had all these different singers on every song. They had different musicians. I'm like, wait a minute. What if I did that? Could I pull it off as a bass player? Because right. it's not just like I'm a right. guitar player because I'm in the front mm-hmm. or a keyboard player or a piano player. I'm like the backbone rhythm section. Can one of those, can a drummer or a bass player pull it off? Right. <laughs> I could have been a drummer and said, I want to do an album. Right. Right. Yeah. It's the same thing. For sure. So I was like, okay, why don't I just put the strengths in the right spots? I'm great at bass. I'll play bass. I'll find a guitar player, the best guitar players, you know, I could find. Great, mm-hmm. I'll use them. I'll use my favorite drummers. Great. Okay, I got I got this band now. This is great. I got good guys. I'm going to grab people that I think their songs are awesome. I'm going to use their songs. I, people that I think can write some great songs, I'm going to use them because that's their strength. Right. And then, you know, like the artist I use, that was her strength. I'm going to use hers. And I used everyone's strengths to to be able to build this thing all together. Right. And I was just being, I was just placing the pieces. Right. You know, yeah. and just say, hey, this is my vision. And it was kind of cool to say, I want this. Yeah. And they can pull it off. <laughs> I want that. Okay. No, not like that, but like this. Yeah. Yes, I like that. I'm going to keep that, you know? Yeah. And, and to see all like, and, and, and what people come up with, you know, not mm-hmm. just artists or musicians, just like, anyone that's creative that are good at what they do it's like you have an idea okay like let's say i want to write a song about you know being in a in a bar and being a dive bar rock star right <laughs> then i say this is my idea and and the person will start writing and start mm, start doing their thing they get back and it's better than what i even thought of right. and maybe they wrote about you know, something that expanded off of that, mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah. some, a place my mind didn't even go. And yeah. I'm like, yes, that just blew my mind. That's perfect. Right. And so I grabbed these people with these great strengths and I put them all together and I mean, it worked. Yeah, it worked. I grabbed a great producer, a great mixer, you know, everything was, and, and what I did is also, I knew what people's strengths were right? And I place them in those positions. It's like a, uh, it's like a professional's uh, team, like a hockey team, baseball right. team, right? You right. want your, the best defense in this position. You want the, you're in the playoffs. You're going to put you're the best guys in there. That's what I did. Right. You know, and um, I was being executive producer out of it all. Right. And saying, this is what I want. Right. So I'm acting as the coach right. and I'm saying, okay, you are the best forward or you're the best guitar player. You're the best singer. Okay. Now I'm writing these songs. We got this great songwriter. Great, he was writing this incredible song. We're going to pitch it up a, a key. <laughs> We're going to pitch it up. Mm-hmm. Can you pull that off? And they're going, yeah, yes or no. I think you can pull it off. It sounds better in this key. And what I would do is I'd stretch these guys. 
Yeah. I knew their abilities because I know that they can sing. I'm like, let's not play it safe. Right. Like I want, I'm going to like stretch you to your limit. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I did that to the drummers. I'm like, yeah, that was good take, but you got to give me more. Yeah. And I know that there's more. Let me see that fire. Like I know I've heard that fire. I felt that fire before from you. Mm-hmm. Give it to me because that's what I want to capture. And from the singing and from the guitar playing, I'm like, this was a badass part, but like, what's what can we do else like what what's going to stretch you you know physically right. mentally creatively yeah and and basically i'm grabbing the best takes of the 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 top of of their range pretty much and and captured right. it on the album that's what i did wow yeah. well it came out great and so that those are all producer things had you thought of yourself as a producer previous to this have you produced records before no um i think Today, a producer is different than it was in the 70s, I would say, because a producer now is doing a lot of engineering work. Right. right. And so if I was just, I mean, I guess my role would be executive producer, but more of a hands-on, like I'm in the studio. So it was on the, it was like- more of the 70s producer. 70s producer. For a lot of you that aren't musicians or or in studio, so you have a, a guy that is an engineer. He's the one that knows how the gear works. Right. And yeah, usually he right. he's the one getting paid pretty much probably the least out of everyone. Right. Right. You have an engineer that's knowing how to set levels and get it all ready. Then well, you have the musicians a, are usually being paid the least, but Right, and that too. <laughs> Unless they're a session guy. Right. Um, and then you got the producer that's it's a direct it's pretty much the director of a film. Right. right. Which is exactly. a producer. Right. So a director of a film is technically um what I think Ron Howard said was um directors protect the story Mm, okay nice they make sure that the story is is interpreted the way it should be Mm -hmm. and i think that's the way a producer music producer is they are making sure that the song is coming out the best it can right um you know taking chances um trying experiments out and seeing you know what if we did this and maybe you might hit gold on that Mm-hmm. you know, on that idea. Yeah. And the great thing about music is that you can record something and then you can erase it and just re-record over it until you get it right. Right. So, but a, a good producer will know in his head, like Mutt Lang or mm-hmm. someone like that, mm-hmm. go, I know exactly what this needs and right. will pinpoint it. Ex- you need to do it exactly like this on the guitar. Here's your part. Boom. Oh, that could, that could, that guitar part's great, but it needs to have a melody in it. Okay. Play the melody. That's the part. Boom. You know? Yeah. Because you also did a documentary at the same time of all yes. this stuff. And it's interesting. I just watched it yesterday. And like, it's interesting to see sort of your evolution as producer guy coming out throughout the thing. Mm. And then there's moments. So you did hire a producer, David Kidd. Yes. Jenny Kidd's husband. Yeah. Um, and there's, I think it's sort of, there's a, a scene in the documentary where it sort of comes to a head in a way of like, your producerness is coming out and his producerness is getting squashed a little bit. And um, how was it all? How did that all turn out? And like, is is that if you had it to do over again, would you maybe hire him as an engineer now that you feel, do you feel more confident as a producer now? I wouldn't have changed one thing. Yeah. To be honest, I wouldn't have changed one thing at all. I think there was a scene that, I mean, there was, there was many moments that weren't captured on the documentary but I, I know the scene that you're talking about where we were kind of butting heads a bit. Right. You know, and where... Which I'm so um, glad you left in because it's super real and it's super... It was super real and you could 
feel the intensity in the room. Yeah. Even way more than it was on camera. It was this very intense sure. moment where we were recording a song and I wanted it a certain way. And I'm wanting I'm wanting it a um it was a I mean, sometimes you get to a position where you want it like something, but you don't know what that is. Right. You know inside where it should be of how the song should sound, but you still don't know how to interpret it because you don't have you don't know how to you don't have the language to do. And so David was also trying to do that. He wants to, you know, his name's on the record and he wants the best for the song. Right. So he had his suggestions, which I thought were not my ideas. And what I wanted did not make sense to him. So we right. both had ideas that we both didn't think were the right thing for the, the record. And it just came down to, it was just a bunch of hits in a song that I was so afraid that his idea would make my song sound cheesy when right. in his head was not cheese balls at all. It was right. cool. To mm -hmm. me, it was cheesy. And then my yeah. idea to him was cheesy. And to me, it was cool. So right. how do we meet yeah. in the middle here? Yeah. And we had this standoff where we, we were like looking at each other like, and poor Johnny on guitar is sitting there like, this was tracking guitar for a song. And he's just waiting to be told what to do. Right. And him and I are just headbutting. Yeah. What are we going to make him play on the guitar? I have my idea. He's got his idea. We don't want to do each other's idea. What are we going to do? And we look at Johnny and he's like, I'm just going to play whatever you guys tell me. Well, what do you want to play, Johnny? And he came out, which was, I, I don't think was in the documentary, but Johnny came out and says, so it came down to like, David wanted to do hits in the chorus. Right. Where there's a song, it goes, da, da, right? I didn't want the da, da hits in the chorus because I thought it sounded too country in my in my head mm -hmm. or too like um, praise worship uh, Christian band right. in a way. It was right. like, it was too national maybe for me, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we were kind of butting heads where he wanted the hits. I didn't want the hits. We looked at Johnny and he was kind of a little bit, you know, he felt the pressure and didn't know what to do. And all he did was like, what if I did the hits but made them slides instead? <laughs> and it solved the problem. Yeah. All of a sudden, I was like, I'm good with that. And Dave's like, well, he's kind of like doing the rhythm I want. And I'm like, uh, he, and he's he's not putting in the space that I, you know, I didn't want space in the song. Right. Dot, dot, right? right. The, in between. Right. So he put the, he go, wow, wow. <laughs> right. <laughs> And it's all, and we're, and we're both sold. <laughs> well, both meet right there. Right. I'm yes, willing to yeah. take the hits with the slides. He's like, I'm willing to yeah. take the slide because I got the hits. Yeah. So, and then we were happy and it worked in the song. So That's it was cool. interesting. Yeah. yeah. How that well, was. Well, it makes me think of kind of two ideas really. Um, is that one, when you have like headbutting happens all the time musically because people do have different ideas and I think, and everyone thinks they're right. Yes. And I think that's what I had to learn. I, I think that everyone's right, but whose record is it? Right. You know what I mean? Either one of those ideas would have been a perfectly um, adequate or a perfectly like uh, legitimate idea, but 
it's your record or who's in the lead. That's why I think people underestimate the importance of a producer. You got to have someone making decisions because at the end of the day, neither one of those is right or wrong. It's up to whatever you feel, you know, you felt it was that way. He felt that way. Both are, you know, fine ideas that you can, you could look up and find in any song, you know, or, or numerous songs, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it's my record. And yeah. I and I and this is the idea I'm trying to get out of. And then I think that if people approach those moments more in that situation of like, well, that's nice. I'm not trying to say that you're, and you know, I'm not now not speaking to that particular moment in your documentary. But like, yeah. I think a lot of times people turn this into like personal and like people butt heads and think I'm right, you're wrong, and yeah. blah blah blah. But not really. We're both right, but it's my record. You know right. what I mean? Someone um, needs, to, and I think that's human nature because look, I mean, just look. I'm, I don't want to get too deep, but if you look at us as just humans, we're always needing, I feel like if everyone's equal, there's chaos. Yeah. There needs to be one person that, you know, I mean, okay. In a family, the parent is the, this is what, this is what we're doing. Right. Right. If it was everyone together, it'd be chaos. Look, we, we have a president for, you know, not to not to give the guy any credit or anything, but we have to have a president to make a decision for a country. Right. People go to church. God or Jesus is that, or a pastor is that defining. You go to school. We got a teacher. Right. There's always, right. there has to be someone that makes a decision everywhere. You work at, a, a, someone has to be a boss. Right. Right. You have a boss, you're the yeah. boss or you're not the boss. Right. Right. If you're in a section of yeah. a job, who's the manager? That, well, that, that person's the boss of the, you know. So right. I yeah. feel like, it's just human nature that we sure. need someone because if there's, if we're all like, yeah. we all have our ideas, you know, yeah. and some people, and all that butting it's heads. authority, but like some people yeah. are against authority and it's like, nah, you know, but yeah. we kind of do need it. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting thing. It's yeah, psych- sure. Psychologically, I yeah. think it is. And all that butting heads probably is a good thing because you need all those ideas mm-hmm. and stuff and you need to work it out and you need to sort of check it against something else but the other thing i said which goes back to your earlier point which i believe because you know i've I've produced a bunch of records myself and as a producer i think the best way and just in life like hire the right guys let them do their job yeah you know of course push them like you were doing but but you hired the guy that you know you're going to get what you're out of you hire the wrong guy and you're trying to make them do something else it's gonna it's gonna take you way more time and you're never really going to get what you want right you know so in that instance as well, you know, Johnny G, phenomenal guitar player, mm-hmm. sort of saved the day because you hired the right guy in the first place. Right. You know? And like, it, it was an amazing little moment. I feel like you came out of this record a producer. And of course, the technology, it's different these days. You know, mm-hmm. it, it is different, but it's, it doesn't have to be. And it's, it's not always different, you know? I, so David and I are still close friends. And it's, it's great because 
you know, David knows so much more in the recording area than I do. And yet he was still, because it was my project, he was still um, not humoring my my ideas, but, you know, listening and respecting me. And I think there was a respect for me mm-hmm. that Absolutely. he would listen. And I learned a lot from David and I've I've learned so much, more than I ever did off doing this record. Yeah. However, David also said that he learned from me. Right. A guy that didn't know any of that stuff, but <laughs> went with my gut and because I know what I wanted. Yes. And, and I do clear have... in the documentary too, that you came in with an idea and that's, you know, a lot of times, well, the fact that you're musical makes it pretty right. cool. I think as being a bass player, bass players, I feel listen a lot. And, and yes. so do drummers, I think too, because I mean, while the whole... The whole reasoning, you know, we're in a band is like we're we're gluing the rhythm and the the harmony together. So we're the you know I've I kind of explained this in my doc in, in the documentary was you know you have two two sides of the Oreo that need to be connected. And the bass player <laughs> or the producer is the 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 center. Right. You know, you're putting right. it together. It's putting those two pieces together. And now you're complete. Yeah. And that's how we kind of think sometimes as bass players because we're listening to the drums. We have to connect. We have to be rhythmic with the drums. Yeah. But we have to be as well fit in with the harmony of the guitar players and keep time, you know. And there's a lot going on. So there's a lot of there's a lot of listening, you know. Yeah, when the guitar, for sure. when when you're kind of guiding the drums a little bit, depending who's playing drums. Right. <laughs> Some drummers tries to try to steer the ship, but which is fine, but. You're trying to make everyone happy. It's, it is trying to make everyone happy. or And it's not maybe not making everyone happy, but making this, the music make sense. Yeah. what right. You know, the singer's doing this thing, you know, and the guitar player's doing this thing, and the keyboard's playing, you know, the drummer's doing this thing. How is this all going to make sense? And what am I going to play? So it does make sense. Yeah. You know, that that's how I think. I think you're right in the sense that the bass player is the most, you got to pay attention to it all, really. Mm-hmm. You know, but... So we keep talking about this documentary too, and it was directed and like filmed by Nigel Dick. Nigel Dick. How did that happen? This dude's like yeah, so, so many videos. So you know, he's he's an amazing dude. If if you guys don't know who Nigel Dick is, please just even go to I think it's nigeldick.com or just type in Nigel Dick on Google and you're gonna see this huge list of things that this guy's done. He's a music video director, or mm-hmm. he, he's a director of uh, tons of films and everything, but right. he's known for being the music video director. And I mean, you can say these names like. Yeah. He's, I mean, Britney Spears, uh, Guns N' Roses, Sweet Child of Mine, Welcome to the Jungle, Oasis, Wonderwall, mm-hmm. uh, Cher, Nickelback, Elton John, Ricky Martin, Tony Braxton, Ozzy Osbourne. It's just, it's incredible. He's done Sting, Paul McCartney. I mean, all, and your yeah. documentary how did that right. happen it's crazy that's so cool it's, it's great yeah um and nigel is such a great he's 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 such a good guy and a great friend and he's just real and for a guy to work with so many artists we're talking hundreds yeah yeah we're, i mean hundreds and hundreds and the band-aid video right like the, band-aid like from the 80s like yeah. it's yeah, I mean, then you can just imagine all the names off of that, you yeah, know? And, exactly. Uh, so he's a humble Englishman. Uh, 
and what's great is okay so i met him you know after he's done all this uh back a few years actually i actually i think it was the same year that i joined mad tea party actually okay so the same year i joined mad tea party i was asked to audition for a tv reality show about a rock and roll band trying to make it in hollywood it was gonna be on it was gonna be aired on spike tv fx and it was about this band that is trying to make it is going through all the hardships of hollywood has to go for and and it's basically it was written out to be band that was nothing or a songwriter that wanted to put a band together and then this band forms and then they make it in their successful and they're the next biggest rock band okay mm-hmm. so that was the whole concept and everything about it was awesome so i go in to audition and nigel is behind the camera and they wanted to film me and i had to you know play some songs and perform and all that stuff uh, long story short after a bunch of auditions i end up getting the gig to be in this documentary Mm. And it was filmed um, right on sunset at the Grower Studios or Gower Studios. Oh, yeah. Um, and I remember like always driving in to park to get to the set and Dexter is filming right next to us. <laughs> like right there, like Dexter scenes are happening. Oh, cool. You know, it's kind of cool. Yeah. So I'm going in there and, you know, everyone kept telling me like, oh, Nigel Dix, you know, directing. Do you know who he is? And I'm like, I don't know really, you know, who he was. So I looked him up. I'm like, oh crap like this guy is a legend he's a legend he's i mean mtv wouldn't be who they are without him for sure because more than half of the videos on mtv were directed by him Mm -hmm. you know he's the guy he was like behind the music video look and almost the template of what people even did you know he was the one that they copied because he was like the the OG pioneer of it all. Right. You know? And so I come in there and he was the whole time was like this pleasant experience and it was so nice. And and when you're part of a, a TV show, a TV reality show, all of a sudden you're thinking, what are they going to do to expose me and make me look like a fool? Because that's <laughs> what we see on TV. Right. Drama. Right. Someone falls. Someone gets drunk. You know, it's mm-hmm. all this crazy stuff. And you're thinking, do I want to look like that on TV? How is this going to come across? And Nigel was very comforting. Like, hey, I got your back. I want to make you look cool. Wow. You know, I pretty much was like a fan of us individually because he, you know, he we end up knowing each other. And that, the filming of that, I mean, took over a year of wearing a lapel mic, mm. going to different scenes here wow. and there and him filming and him directing and doing this and some surprises too and meeting sponsors and flying to New York and doing a show. Jeez. It was like all this crazy stuff. After all of that, the, the show didn't turn out. It didn't Ugh. happen. It didn't air. It did air for like the first couple episodes and then it got dropped. Some, something happened. It didn't work out. I ended up leaving Nigel ends up leaving, all that stuff, right? And I didn't really communicate with him because he was still, like, at that time, a role of, of director. And we weren't, like, friend-friends. We were just, oh, we worked together a lot. Right. So when I had this idea of this Kickstarter, I had an idea. I'm like, well, if I'm going to go big, if I'm if this is going to be my one shot, 
right? The Eminem one shot, you know, <laughs> right. uh, of yeah. doing this. Why don't I make it a documentary and film all these guys getting, because I wanted 35 musicians. I wanted different singers. I wanted different songwriters. This got to be filmed. Yeah. This is, and I'm thinking, sure. okay, who do I know? And I'm like, I know so-and-so and this person, their stuff's okay. And then it clicked. I was like, what if I asked Nigel? Wow. He's, he, and I was like, he's not gonna, he's not gonna say yes. Right. But you know what? I'm not gonna afraid to just ask. Why not ask? I had his phone number and I called him up. It was like Nigel. I left him a message, and I was thinking I'm gonna give him the best sales pitch he's ever heard. <laughs> you know, of this amazing idea and project. Right. And so I did. I gave him this whole thing, and he didn't even think about it. He's like, of course I would do that. And I'm like, what? wow. He's like, of course. That is so cool. He's like, I'd love to be a part of it. He's like, I, you know, and and getting to know Nigel, then I find out he actually is a bass player too. Yes, I know. And, yeah, and and he's he, I mean, long story short, he wanted to be a bass player. He wanted to be in a touring band around wow. the world, being a bass player. It just so happened that he ended up hitting it with this film director, being a, a director, and he right. came, got a success through that. But his heart is being a bass right. player because he was in a in a band called the Stiffs. I think it was yeah. a part of a TV show. Yeah, or a, they were like the backup band for a for a, a TV show or yeah. whatever. And it was like a con, uh, contest show or something or a a band. Show. Yeah, something. I was gonna bring that up too. He's a bass player. You're a bass player hitting it off. That's pretty cool. And that was a big thing was that he got this connection that he was even though he's successful and he's older, right? Mm -hmm he was still kind of living through me because he got to know me. He liked my bass playing. He wanted to see me succeed. That's so cool. As a bass player, because he was a bass player. Yeah. And I mean, it was just that connection. It was like this bass yeah. player connection kind of a thing. And yeah. just, he's just a sweetheart. So he, um, he accepted. He's like, I'll do it. Yes, what do you need? And honest to God, any date I'd give to him or any shoot, he was like, I am there whatever you need. That's cool. And it was like, what? Like mind blown that yeah. someone this successful is not an asshole. I know. LA is, is a weird place. Cause sometimes you would get a weird answer. And then other times, you know, you're surprised that people are human, but it's always great to hear. And I think it, because you know, not everybody would have the balls to even ask him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But it's always worth it. Whether you're gonna maybe you're gonna get a weird answer and say no, but I don't know. More often than not, I would say the moral cool. the moral of this whole Kickstarter, mm -hmm. and I'll tell you, is don't be afraid to ask because I was not afraid to ask for money. Right. I was not too proud to ask for money. Right. And I was not too afraid or too proud to ask this legend director, because the worst thing you can get back is no. And yes, you can maybe get your feelings here a little bit, but that's the worst thing that they can do is just say no. And that's it. I mean, just ask. Wow. And you never know what you're going to get back. And some a lot of people are afraid to ask. Oh, man, I am. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. I don't want to bother it's this hard. person. It's very true. You know? Yeah, oh, exactly. I don't wanna, right? Yeah. No, that's a great, that's an absolutely great lesson. Just ask. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the power of asking. And I, uh, Dan Franklin is this... Uh, guitarist that did kickstarters he's done three or four right another and t guy he was another and he did and Great that was guitar a, player that was the big thing he told me to watch this ted talks ah. episode of amy palmer and the whole ted talks is about asking oh interesting and she how 
indie band person? Yes. Yes, I think I've seen that as well, yeah. Yes, and so she was able to be successful, like very successful, getting like millions of dollars for her stuff by the power of asking. Right. You know, there's, That's cool. there are a lot of people out there that, I mean, that want to help. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, and I guess it can come down to people's love languages too. Like yeah. there are people that um, their love language is giving. Right. And I know. You, you don't want to take advantage of those people, but. But if you're those... not good at receiving, those people are tricky. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there are a lot of us out of work right now, uh, waiting to get back to playing shows and touring. And I know I've had to do whatever I can do to take my mind off the situation from time to time. And one of the ways to pass the time is to catch up on some books you've missed. But if you're like me and you don't love to read, (laughs) there's another way you can consume. Audible.com has thousands of titles to choose from, including audiobooks about music production, songwriting, the music business, music theory, instructional audiobooks, and biographies of your favorite musical heroes. But besides audiobooks, you can also listen to podcasts, theatrical performances, A-list comedy, and exclusive audio originals you won't find anywhere else. Right now, you can get a free 30-day trial if you visit audibletrial.com slash dive bar rockstar that's audibletrial.com slash dive bar rockstar and you can catch up on your audio reading i'd like to take a second to thank you for listening to the dive bar rockstar podcast as a new podcast getting the word out is a vital part of what it takes to keep the show on the road uh or off the road as the current case may be if you would like to support the podcast all you got to do is subscribe wherever you listen And if you have an extra minute or two, please leave a review. You can also share and follow the podcast on your social media apps. Okay, enough begging. I hope you're having fun. And once again, thank you for listening. Well, it's interesting because it's funny that we went this far too. It's like, because this is such a, a weird emotional business like you're Mm. you're, it's not uh that much different from acting in the same sense that you're kind of paid for your emotional contribution to the world that's what we're doing we're playing music it's all about emotions yet when you get off stage it becomes this hardcore ruthless you know business Mm -hmm. a lot of the times you know and managing that is is uh is tricky when you stick business in with with pleasure, I guess, or emotions, it just gets all messed up. Yeah, it gets sloppy really fast. <laughs> you know, pa- you're packaging a happiness or you're packaging emotion and selling it. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, and, and, and well, yeah, and that selling it part, it's really tricky. It's really tricky for a lot of artists too, because like you, it, when you're starting to turn what you love into a commodity the way you think about everything has to change and right. yet you can't lose that initial emotional connection to it mm-hmm. but you kind of have to lose that initial commotion you know that connection to it it's you know it's a it's a tricky it's a tricky yeah. business art and commerce you know it's you there's know. a lot of variables and everything i mean someone way back told me they said okay you have a doctor who's put in hours. Let's say they put in 12 years of schooling, right? Mm-hmm. Now they get to a position 
where now they're a doctor. They get paid handsomely to be a doctor. They, they're they very knowledgeable. They know about a lot of things. And there's, they continue to learn as they go. And it just makes them more valuable. It makes them kind of ladder up a little bit, right? So you have those. But also, or a scientist or, or, or astronaut, right? Mm-hmm. You have a musician. Let's say, well, let's take a serious musician, right? They're putting the same amount of hours... They're putting in the 10,000 hours that mm-hmm. they say to master something, yeah. even more. Yeah. And then when they, you become professional, you're still learning. And some of us do this for 20, 30 years, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, I mean, to me, it's the same thing. It's like, but it's so, it, we're looked at differently. For sure. For sure. Because maybe it's, we're not dressed the same or because you know, lifestyle is a little bit different, yeah. but it's, the, it's really the same thing. If you take a serious musician, yeah, it's the, it's it's the same for, for sure. And, it, but also like when you think about a doctor, even for me as a musician, when, especially right now, we're in the midst of chaos and, and crazy stuff. We we're not even allowed to work right now, really, you know, yeah. it'd be illegal to have a concert, you know? Um, and what do I, and it, it makes me, feel a little insignificant compared to Mm. a doctor right now who's trying to save lives and failing, you know, arguably at a pretty big rate in this country. Like people are dying of COVID on a mass scale, you know, and they're on the front lines and I'm whining because I can't play my music. You know, it it gets into your head that way too. You know, for me anyways, I mean, you know, but it doesn't mean that I haven't spent 30 years, like you say, like working on my craft and becoming the best that I can. And it's not like we don't provide a service for people and and a certain amount of joy, which in these times they need as well, you know, but yeah, that's that's, that's a deep. You don't see a doctor that's put 30 years in his profession working for tips. Right. (laughs) For sure. Right. Which is a little bit different. I mean, um, but you know, that's interesting because you also did, uh, uh, postmodern jukebox. Yeah. And they are kind of under fire right now. I don't know if, I, if I don't read, know anything but... <laughs> about it. No, I don't. Well, they, it kind of ties into black lives matter and, and their, their black cast members had wrote an open letter about, you know, apparently somebody made them take their black lives matter pin off to do a show uh, more wow. than one time. I think there's, a, but the other complaint is just about how little he pays the people and he has a multi-million dollar, yeah. situation going on at this point and you're getting paid a hundred dollars to do a video that he's going to make millions off but of but that's any company i know it's unfair well it's not any company let's I say mean, walmart right they're paying someone to do the cash register well i guess okay maybe that's a little bit that's maybe the that's a bad part analogy is that he's a it's musician schooled. you know yeah you, you're bringing schooled people that are we're very qualified the doctors we're of not... musicians yes in, exactly yeah and, and and i think that's do you want me to say really how much it. i got paid or no I, I it's up to you i mean and, I, and honestly i don't know him i i'm mm. only read the article and i don't i'm not even a super controversial dude i'm not trying to stir it up necessarily but yeah. we've all as musicians been in situations where I, i'm making 100 bucks or 150 bucks and I went to college, you know, yeah. like um, I'm, I'm a, a highly skilled worker working for no money. But as the devil's advocate, you're the one that accepted it. For sure. Right. For sure. But it's, it's, I mean, it's the it, trade-off. Yes. I'm not defending the guy because yes, I got paid very little to do the video I was in. Right. Very li- like, you know, not much. 
Mm-hmm. It was one song and it was recorded. It was three takes. Um, but you, I guess the trade-off is, is you're getting paid less, but you're getting the exposure that you would not <laughs> get. So right. I my videos have never hit a million views. Right. The video I'm in, I think is now at like 4 million views. Right. And which one did you do? So it's called Poison with Shoshana Bean. Oh, gotcha. So we did the Poison by uh, Bev... Bev... Bev Bev DeVoe. Yeah, right. (laughs) That girl is poison. Yeah. And we did it more of a, uh, like a a 50s style to Mm -hmm. it. It was very cool. It was a very cool concept. And Um, she's she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. She was super cool and she was like a good hang. And yeah, we we did the stuff. We did three takes, and it was it was it was sight reading. They put the chart. We're like, okay, let's go through it once, and then okay, cameras on, record. We did three takes, done. Then when we left, another band came in and recorded, and he, I think he recorded three songs that day. So that's what he does: is he'll book a studio or he'll have a room, and he'll do multiple bands, multiple people, and he'll just bang out five songs right and then release them separately cool so it was fun yeah it was super fun yeah it was actually really really fun that's cool yeah it was um you you're just with great guys playing fun music that you'd never you never really get to play and then i mean to be honest when i came into it i didn't even know what it was oh wow i got recommended and i got called from scott bradley himself it's like hey man uh I, i need a bass player you know, would you play stand up or electric? I was like electric. He's like, okay, I could use for electric on this. Um, can you come tomorrow at this time? Great. So I show up and I'm waiting, and the studio was locked up because they're recording somebody else. And then they open the doors, like, oh, well, you might come on in. Boom. Here's the chart. We're thinking of this. Boom. So I did my little notations. You know, okay, let's go through it. Boom. That sounds great. Can you put hits here? Great. Put right in hits there. Boom. All right, you guys, ready? Let's record. Record the whole thing okay stop and then you know like Shoshana how do you feel oh let's do another take okay boom just, and then they pick the best take mm-hmm. and and it's like okay thank you next and the next person was um, Blake Lewis oh, yeah. from American Idol so mm-hmm. he was up next doing the next song very cool and uh, and then I walked out and, and I was asking Scott I was like Scott what is this what is this for because I never heard of Martin oh, wow. I, I it was just oh. a session right, right yeah yeah and he's like, oh yeah, I do videos, and you know, we do kind of this this fun old style, and it's doing pretty good, and you know, it's it's been fun, and I'm like great, and that was it. And he's like, here's your check, boom, I'm out. And then I find out later that it's this big thing, and I had no idea right. that it was this thing. Right. So I'm like, okay, I can't wait for my video to come out. It came out, and it did great. But um, I think the issue was not just the recording, but I think it's the people on tour that are the ones that are probably yeah. you know I know a few people that are on the tour that wish they could get paid more but I mean but it was also about the videos it's, especially yeah. when you're getting like I think I looked up one he has 84 million spins and yeah. it, it, I mean beyond that it's like you've turned this into a multi-million dollar situation according to the open letter okay. i don't know and again i i don't know i, I just brought it up I, I i read the letter yesterday and i was like i i don't i don't you know i don't know about it but obviously we've all been in this situation it's just it's sort of it's 
I don't know. You can get so deep about it. It's just sort of sad that it's kind of the American way that a guy, and you just said it like, well, you took the gig. Well, yeah, well, we're all starving out here and people want to get going. The thing is, is that you've made all this money on the backs of, of all these talented people because right. you're just one dude. You couldn't do this by yourself. And, uh, you're, you know, a normal session fee for even that would be like if it was union, you would have made 500 bucks or four or 500 yeah. bucks, but I'll bet you made one, 150. Wow. So I don't know. That's even below like fair market value. I mean, that's just, right. to me, that's just, that's just being a it, decent it, human it, being. Yeah. Again, I'm out of it. I don't know, but we've all been in these situations. To pull off, I guess to pull off something good, you do have to have a, a, a certain quality of musician. You're a highly skilled dude. A high, right. So, so it's different than, yes, you're a big company and you just find interns and, and minimum wage workers to help you Right. keep the business going. And you know, it's a little bit different than that. Exposure is real, yeah. but not I mean, if you're I the bass get, player. I didn't get anything. No, that's what I'm saying. No. Like if you're the, if you're Shoshana Bean, then that exposure is great. It's amazing. But right. she also got paid a lot more. And that's the other part of the letter. Like the lead singers have a different deal. They get some back end. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyways, it's, it's but all tricky. It I is, understand. It is the singers that the people search up. So it's it's a tricky thing. Yeah. I mean... It, well, it, I'm not saying they shouldn't get paid that. I'm saying that you should get paid more. But it, that just goes back to the Motown years and back to the you know, studio where these guys were making hit records. Yeah. They weren't making that much either. And then they're on the radio for 40 years, 50 years. And nobody knows who they are. And nobody knows who they are. And they're the <laughs> ones that thought of the parts. And they, they shaped... You know, they history. shaped the sound of pop music. You know, yes. they shaped history exactly. Well, this has been awesome. Wow. We're getting long on time. <laughs> okay. But, um, wow. What went, a total, it went by fast. I know it does, doesn't it? Right. And we didn't even get into the fact that you're my first Canadian on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's <laughs> which, true. Uh, yeah. You know, which is awesome. I love Canada. Do you like LA? Yeah. So I first loved LA, then hated it <laughs> with a passion. Wow. And I'm now coming to love it again yeah. because I let go. <laughs> I just let go. And yeah. I think that's a huge thing because when you come, when you, when you uproot yourself from a different city or from a, diff a different country, you put a lot of pressure on yourself. Oh, for sure. Because you may, you came, you put yourself in this position you came all this way you spent money, you're putting yourself in a weird position, like a really weird situation, yeah. you know, starving because you're willing to take the chance to somehow make it whatever that make it is, or to prove to the people back at home that you are right. There's that special, of the special or talented or whatever mm -hmm. that is. Right. Or even that you can stay or successful because you know, a lot of people, when you leave, you're like, oh, he'll be back in a month. It's right, too hard yeah. in LA, or he'll never make it, or blah, right. blah, blah. And, and it is that pressure to prove that. 
it's proving people wrong in a way or proving that you have a value and i think as humans we all try to prove something i mean look at media these days even like apps like instagram and tiktok everyone's trying to show a talent even if the talent's not great everyone's trying to be a star and Mm -hmm. prove and and there's millions of people so like hey i have an identity this is me you know, I stick out. Everybody wants to be somebody. Everyone wants to stick out, which right. is... Or you, you make know, a podcast. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but you get the point that yeah. for me, I had that pressure. Yeah. But I came from another country. I, right. um, I first went to Nashville for three years and then I came here. But it was the whole point of like, I need to prove that I can make it in Nashville. I need to prove to everyone that this wasn't a mistake. Mm-hmm. And when I go back... I'm not saying, hey, I'm suffering in LA. I'm saying, no, I'm doing great and I'm not lying. Right. Right. So there's a lot, it's it's, yeah. it's a ton of pressure on you. Yeah. And when things aren't going your way and you keep having doors shut or slammed on you, yeah. you get very frustrated and you start to think, do I keep sticking it out or I just go home and just suck it up? I know. I hear you. What do you do? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I moved here in October of 2000. And that Christmas, I went to Florida where my mom was living at the time. And I just remember the sense of dread when that week of Florida and Christmas was over of having to come back here and like, am I ever going to make it? And like, is this, is there, am I going to be able to work? And like, just, just, and you're looking down the barrel of January Mm -hmm. and it's like, I'm not really established yet. My money's running out and it's January. Like nothing happens in January. Like yeah. the whole town shuts down, you right. know, and uh, it's hard, <laughs> you know, it's not a, it's a town that'll chew you up and spit you out. And then nobody wants you to come here and make it, you know, in, in a true. weird way, you That's know what I mean? True, yeah. The town overall, everyone's friendly and nice, not everyone, but yeah. there is, there's a com- camaraderie amongst musicians, you know, we're all sort of in the trenches and, and that's great. But at the same time, if you go home tomorrow, that's just gonna be like oh good more gigs for me you know like yeah there is a yeah. sort of like oh well you couldn't make it there's a lot of people like that no one it's not that friendly of a you know do you think yeah. that's just, no I, I feel, I, right? I feel it's, it's almost it yeah it's it is a bit of a lottery how well, long are you bit. how long are you gonna play because it, it may right. hit and the grass can always be greener on the other side so you just have yeah. to be kind of happy where with you i mean i think when you're amongst other players uh i mean it's great to know other people so you know that you you are in the same spot and yes maybe your buddy got this great tour and you've been here for 10 years and still haven't gotten anything but then you hear that like okay yeah he got the tour and he got the name and that's great but then he starts complaining like ah you know like the gig is like kind of bullshit you know and right. but I got to stick with it i'm not I'm not right. naming any names, but that it's kind of like in general with things how you know, how it is. Or, oh great, like I got this artist gig, but then great, well you're in town and you get all this great work and and uh, you can stay home, and you don't have to travel, and you don't have to worry about all this and that. And then I'm like, oh well, yeah, but it's kind of like bullshit, you know? Like so, like what do you? But yeah, then, for sure. It's weird because like. Yeah. I don't, it, it's a mind that it's, That's it's what I'm so saying. you kind you have to get out of the grass is greener on the other side too because yeah, you're waiting for, for this sure. kind of like you have to stick it out that something could happen and it would be awesome but then when you get it 
you know, it might not be perfect and you have to, you know, it becomes like reality. Hey, you got, I got the job, you know, anybody, I got the job that I wanted. Right. And then you realize, okay, well, I'm in, I'm in the office building. I got the job. Now what do I do? Because now I have all the stress on me and stuff too. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's. And it can be anything like, you know, no gig is perfect. No gig is perfect. But that kind of speaks to another idea that I always have is like people come here with a mythology in their head of what LA is mm-hmm. and what it is to be a touring musician or what it is to be on a TV show or what it is. And the people that can shed that mythology and be here and realize what it is are the ones that are going to be successful. You mm-hmm. know, the ones that can realize fast that none of these gigs are the thing that's going to make you happy, really. It's, right. it's the thing that's going or to last. get you to the, yeah. exactly. That's the other thing. Then then you get that biggest gig, and it might be the biggest artist of the year, but she tours for a year and then doesn't go out for three years. And what are you going to do now? Or he or she, you know? Yeah. And and uh, none of these gigs. It, it's it's it never. That's the other thing that people well, you got to pay your dues. They don't tell you that you never stop paying your dues. Like there's always dues to pay. You're going to be up and you're going to be great and you're going to be like, oh, I'm so glad I paid my dues. And then you're going to be down again and you're going to be playing weddings and you're going to be playing backyard parties and you're gonna be like, gotta pay some more dues, you know, so you can get to the next level and it's this constant roller coaster that's interesting that you said that because i remember talking to my fiance about paying my dues and i I remember i said the same thing i'm like how much longer (laughs) am i paying my dues and i get i do get a little frustrated when i a 20 something year old is saying i paid my dues and i got the gig yeah and i paid my dues you know, four or five years of being in LA and I just get so angry yeah. because I'm like, what about 20 years of paying your dues? Yeah. Then what? And what you, you got to remember in those moments is that that kid's going to pay his dues again. Don't worry. Right. This is not going to last, you know, right. or, you know, you got to enjoy the ride. Mm. That's the bottom line. Right. I think right. it's not about the, this gig or that gig, or I got this. And then I did the, it's about what we're looking back on now and talking about this awesome story of your life here in LA. Right. That's what, that's what you get to keep, right. you know, and that's what no one can take away from you. This is a hard, or particularly hard time. This is yeah. a weird time. And it is a weird time. I've probably said this on too many of these podcasts, but it's a weird time to start a podcast like this because there is no work and there's nothing to do and everyone's in, in a weird situation. So if you're trying to get into the music business now, whoo. Yeah. And you know what? I appreciate this podcast because if you are a musician and you're listening to this, you realize you're no different. Yeah. That, all, oh my that gosh. your that your struggles and that your the right. things I'm it's this is almost like a, a musician church where you're like oh I'm struggling everyone's struggling through it <laughs> it is like I struggle yeah. through this it's we true. are str- we are all everything yeah. you know that you're feeling yeah all of us have felt yeah at one time or exactly currently right. a feeling you know some some of these careers of the guys that have been on here like i look at it and i'm like you've just on stopped had great gigs does it does it feel like that most of the time no yes i have but at the end of that gig i didn't know what i was going to do and then something else came up it's not no one's ever not scared all the time you know what i mean no one's ever right. you know there's some people obviously like there are certain gigs that you can get that that last forever and they're great and everyone's like, but those are so rare a lot of times you're going to get a great gig and then it's going to be over and you're unemployed again. We're constantly unemployed. You know, it is sort of the through line for every musician's life. 
Well, this has been cool, man. An amazing conversation, dude. Yeah. And uh, you're a fabulous bass player. You're a great guy. Like, Same. there's, you know, it, it's all, everything is, you know, going to be great. <laughs> Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry. Yeah. We're all in it. We're all in it together. <laughs> we and, are. You yeah. know, and we all have different stories. We just all hit sorry and we're back. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 That was great, man. Uh, cool, man. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> no, that wasn't that wasn't a positive ending. It was a perfect that ending. Wasn't a sad, sad <laughs> I'm a diaper, oh man, the power of asking. I I really love that lesson because it's not something I'm good at at all. <laughs> I think I just hate hearing no. But it's probably something worth getting over because I do know that you can only go so far on your own and all the most successful people have had a hand up at some point. I have, for sure. Um, But Mike didn't just take people's money. He rewarded them heavily for it as well as put out a record. So it's something that I'm going to ponder for quite a while. And I think, and hopefully I can get over this fear of no. But, you know, it's not unusual. I think a lot of people have that. I also hate sounding so dark about L.A. This this um, interview got a little dark. I think the COVID situation is is really starting to get to a lot of us, for sure. I know that I've just felt a little down lately anyways. It's it's hard not to when you're, when we're, con- you know, we never thought it would go this far. And here we are still out of work and wondering what's going to happen next. It's getting to be a pretty scary time, for sure. But L.A., I shouldn't be so dark. It's been hard, but this town has literally given me everything, you know? And I, I think the key is that you got to love the game and you got to love the challenge. You know, it's been, it's been hard at times, but it's exhilarating all of the time. You know, I love being where the action is and in a place where all things are possible. So I guess I'm a bit of a cynic, but I'm also an optimist and um, I love L.A., So Nigel Dick was the bass player for The Stiff All-Stars, which was the house band for Stiff Records, and they appeared on a lot of TV shows with several artists and bands. So I think I got confused that he was the bass player in a TV show band, Um, but check him out anyway on Wikipedia. His list of credits is unbelievable. Um, We also talked about a couple of first names when we were talking about Mad T, and that was Nick, and that's Nick Shod, and George Castells, and they were both um, Mad T bass players as well, and they're both awesome dudes and awesome players, so check them out. Um, And the Fox and Hounds is in Studio City, and when and if it opens back up, I highly recommend The Hang there. It's an awesome bar. I've spent so many hours there, and I really wish that I could go have a drink there right now. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. I'm a diaper, I start. Wow, you've made it to the end. I'm hoping it's because you completely enjoyed yourself and are now filled with knowledge and inspiration to move forward with your dreams. If that is the case and you would like to stay informed of new episodes, live events, and general news, please go to divebarrockstar.com and sign up for the mailing list. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or complaints about anything you hear on the show, please email me at fanmail at divebarrockstar.com, and you may even end up on the show. We at the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast, with all of our hearts, thank you for listening, and remember, it's all about dreams. Dreams.